Hello everyone out there in Radio Land. This is Zan Marsh with uh, Avian Paragraph. Welcome to the show. Join with us today, as always, is the bird lover I know and perhaps love. Martin Salinas is here. Hi, Martin. How are you today? Doing just great, Sam. And uh, Birding Pro, uh, Timothy Lequi, actually, interestingly enough, is going to be joining us. Tim? Well, hey there, Zan. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be with you again. Yeah, well, it's a pleasure to have you here, as always. And um, actually, my niece, Zoe Cup, is here. Zoe, uh, thanks for joining us in the studio. It's really good to see you, Uncle Zan, and also good to see my new fellow uncles. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, they are part of the family, but we'll, um, again, we can talk about this sort of personal stuff off air uh, a little later. Oh, so, okay. All right. Um, tonight's going to be a very interesting episode as well as kind of a fun episode. We're kind of breaking the mold. Um, a lot of people have been talking to us about this new uh, bird to join the flock called the chickadee. Um, there are a lot of chickadees out there now. Martin... Uh, have you heard anything from, because on, on our website, I've been getting a lot of people asking, when are we doing the chickadee episode? Uh, I'm not sure, have you, have you seen that at all? Or? You know, Zen, I tend to just look at the unread emails, and I think you do um, check our, our uh, email account so frequently that I rarely have to see any unread emails. Mm. They're generally read by the time that I do right. log on. Yeah, I'm pretty vigilant to uh, go in there and get those emails and read them and and it's it's what i like to do so i i do appreciate you letting me know that you're only checking them unread again this is another thing that we can talk about after the show it's more of a personal thing between uh, the two of us uh tim uh, do you use email uh you know from time to time i i do you know i, I, I uh yeah, I can get down with the email every yeah. now and again. Yeah. www.tim.com. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, Zoe, a lot of the younger kids now I'm noticing uh, they aren't using their email to communicate online in a virtual space. They're generally using um, uh, some of the other social media platforms. Um, my favorite, of course, Twitter. <laughs> uh, is your experience with these social media platforms um, very interesting or is that not interesting? Um, I don't find it to be too interesting. However, um, I have heard of Twitter before, and I really like TikTok. I don't know if you've heard of that before. I have heard of that. I heard that about that. I don't do the TikTok, but um, I hear that it's pretty popular amongst the young sense. So. Yeah. Something that maybe I'll look at in the future. Well, let's get into it today then. Um, we're going to start out with a little segment I like to call Pull Up a Perch. It's going to be where we're talking about more personal um, issues that affect us. Um, about those nitty-gritty things that you aren't going to hear on air uh, those questions that we're going to leave for off air generally we're now going to be talking about on air so that's uh, going to be the pull up a perch segment um, then of course we're going to go into the daily birding news we've got a lot of stuff out there we've got stuff on festivals we have reporting on who has been named the youngest birder of the year actually and that's going to be an interesting one and um we also have a story about a belgian wildlife photographer which is very interesting. I don't know. Um, have you spent any time in Belgium, Tim? Uh, you know, Zan, I've, I've never been, but uh, I've heard the chocolates are quite delicious there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I like hot chocolate too, so maybe I should go to Belgium. Maybe I'll give that a try one of these days. And then, of course, we're going to be doing a book review. This one's a bit risque. Uh, if you are listening to this at work, I'd ask that you probably turn it down the volume uh, significantly for my book review. It's, we're going to be talking about something that is uh, NSFW, I think is what, what the abbreviation, not safe for work. So uh, Zoe, I'm gonna have to ask that you go outside for that portion of the show. It's um, pretty cold outside. It is cold outside, but it's gotta get, it's, it's gonna be steaming in here because of what I'm gonna be talking about. And unfortunately it's not for somebody who's younger um, in their years. Um, obviously we, we wanna keep um, things that are more adult to, to adults. So you're going to have to understand that, obviously. But And then, Tim, you have a birding tale for us this week. Any previews on what that is? No spoilers, obviously. Uh, you know, I, I really don't like to uh, 
get into it too much before I start telling the story. It's pretty easy to, you know, give away some too many tidbits. Yeah, uh, too if many. I'm not careful, but right. uh, you don't want to give away too. Yeah, much. I got I got something uh, pretty exciting in store. Is there for, anything, for the uh, any detail today. about the uh, story you yeah, could tell us? I, I mean, what, what I just said. <laughs> okay. Well, it sounds like Tim's going to keep that uh, one, uh, keep you in the, uh, uh, keep you wondering um, what, what are you going to think about this story? You don't know just yet what to think, but we will think about that later. So, Martin, again, you're going to be thinking about the mind of a bird, which is Chickadee, the bird of this uh, hour. Um, are you going to bring us into sort of mind of a bird later, I think, at the end of the show, roll us out with another? Yes, and, and I am looking forward to it because a chickadee is just one of the most precocious little birds that people see in their backyard all the time. <laughs> so I know that our viewers out there already have a relationship with the chickadee, and I, I hope not to bring uh, a new relationship, but just mm. to add to the love that I know so many people already do have. A much-loved bird. of chickadees. The bar will be set high for you. Are you thinking you're going to be able to excel to those heights? Oh, wow, Zan. Well, you know, I love a good challenge, so thanks for putting it there for me. We'll see what I can do. Not a problem. I'm wondering also, when you do potentially excel to those heights, are you going to continue climbing, or... Is this is this mountaintop going to drop, and you'll be sinking after this? So, something to think about. Not, I'm hoping I'm not putting the pressure on too much for you, but again. So with that, we're going to go into more of a personal place. This is called Pull Up a Perch. Welcome. Again, this is more casual part of the show. We just kind of talk shop. Um, so it's just us here in the studio. So what's up, Martin? Well, Zan, what's up with me is that I um, am one of those few birders in Washington who has said, you know, I know that the uh, Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife has said we need to take down our feeders um, for uh, salmonella outbreaks among finches, particularly pine siskins. It's been, a, yeah. as you very well know, it's been quite the eruptive year for those northern birds. I know um, about that, yeah. But there is a stipulation in the fine print of that memo that came out from WDFW that if you are a bird lover who's willing to put in the time and the effort to clean your feeders... Guilty as charged. ...every single day, that you can actually keep them up. And so that's exactly what I have done, and I've got to say... My feeders have been going wild. So that's what's up with me. Wow. Okay. Well, that's that's pretty cool, man. Any any uh any highlights there, Martin? For uh yeah, I mean, you're talking about them going wild. Is it just a lot of you getting any uh any any special or uncommon species visiting your feeders? You know, Tim, I'm glad you asked because one of the things that's been exciting for me is having uh, a bird that sometimes I'll see this time of year, but I've been having it actually frequent my feeder. Uh, and I feel like I'm really getting to know this individual Townsend's warbler. And I mean, I'm sure you can appreciate just the, the stark beauty of a Townsend's warbler with that unbelievably golden yellow set right next to the black on the face. Such a gorgeous bird. And so to have that, I mean, with my morning coffee almost every day, it it's like I forget that there's a pandemic going on. Yeah. It's good to forget about things that impact you on a daily basis, like the pandemic. We all could use a little forgetfulness in our lives. That's a reminder I often leave myself. Um, it's interesting. I, I leave myself reminders around my house um, on post-it notes. I write, but I, this, this is one that I write to myself commonly. Remember to forget. So, hey, just don't forget to to wash your hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's very good. Um, uh, Zoe, so uh, you can. I just want you to know that this is kind of a safe space where you're free to rap with me. Um, I know that your mom and dad can sometimes be a drag, but um, you know, I'm your uncle Zan here. Um, so, just it's cool. It's all good. Is basically um, just my message to you, and I want you to take that. Through your day and just know that that I'm here for you. So I had a question. Uh, okay. My dad said when I come down here, I'll be able to go to Birch Bay Water Park, and I wanted to know: Are we still doing that, or are we just here today? I think. 
you're gonna i'm i think we're going we, we we might be able to do that but i'm gonna have to have a caveat on that we're going to probably do it but i i've got to talk to your dad sometime later mm-hmm. and we're gonna have that conversation together um and and it's gonna be good uh, the conversation obviously but I think more so we're looking to talk about um, uh, what your dad's interested in doing right now, which which I'm not exactly sure what that's going to be, but mm-hmm. um, I, hopefully that answers your question. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was uh, Bull Up a Perch. So really awesome. Um, I'm Tim, I really want to thank you for your uh, part you played in that segment. So, and so with that, we're going to move on to News Roundup. So I don't know if everyone's heard about this story, but the latest story I've heard is that actually a yellow penguin was spotted and graphed, that's what I'm using, it's a short for photograph, um, by a Belgian wildlife photographer. We mentioned this yesterday. I mean, did we descend into reporting on clickbait? I mean, is this birding clickbait? I mean, I'm pretty sure that's just a leucistic penguin. Well, I mean, apparently, I mean, I read online that this uh, young man, his name's actually Eves Adams. Was um, this in National Audubon Magazine, National Geographic? Not uh, the first person. So he is, he's actually this interesting because Adam is the first human faith. And he's the first human to take a picture of a... Did it come from the Linnaean Society? Yellow penguin. Again, just a little, I mean, Tim, uh, you saw the picture. Was this, I mean, what was the organization that put this out? Uh, I, I didn't see the organization, but yeah, it, it looked just to me like a, excuse me, leucistic penguin. Um, that was a New York Post article, actually, was the mm. New York Post, and they're no well-known. I um, approve of anyone um, seeking out New York Post's guidance. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you come across leucistic birds every now and again. Um, you know, it's a common pigment issue. Not not as rare as albinism, but is the story worth the glory? You know, I got it gave me a good uh, huh. when I saw that photo. You know, okay. Now a question it does bring to mind for me that I've actually kind of wondering about. Maybe the knowledge is here in this room. Does the condition affecting this bird that kind of that pigmentation issue? I'm wondering if that creates any survivability issues with the bird or mating issues with the bird. I'm curious if anybody knows if there's been any studies done on that. You know, the I have heard a lot researchers propose study of leucistic birds as a potential research project. And I think that would be a really interesting topic, but the problem is that leucistic birds are so uncommon, actually tracking enough of them down in order to compile an actual data set on leucistic birds i imagine would be extremely difficult it was funny though to see that bird it was yellow and all the other birds were regular and it was just walking through the uh, colony of birds i'm gonna correct you there Zan. there's no bird on this planet that's regular <laughs> sometimes i forget so i do appreciate that reminder and i'll remember to forget that perhaps in the future who knows so, but I, I do think, you know, for a lot of birds, you know, for example, common poor wheel, a bird that really relies on its plumage to camouflage the bird into the, yeah. uh, into its habitat. That's how this, how some of these animals survive. That's their survival strategy. Um, if you have, you know, pigment issues going on that make your, you know, make you stand out as a bright yellow or pink, you know, bird, that's going to make you a lot more detectable to predators. Yeah. So I imagine a, a lot of these there. leucistic individuals don't make it yeah. very far. Well, Godspeed to that little guy. Hopefully um, they will eat all the fish they want and live a nice long life. Be a strong bird. Hopefully. Yeah, so... Probably not, but... Moving on to our next story. This one's from WAPO. Turns out a young birder encourages others to flock to nature. 
Um, and it turns out that Gracie McMahon, a 14-year-old from Rockford, Illinois, has been named Young Birder of the Year. Congratulations. Um, what's her name? Uh, Gracie. Uh, Zoe, uh, maybe one day you could grow up and be just like Gracie. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I definitely, I was thinking about the last topic we had, and I actually have an idea about why that penguin is yellow. Uh, why is that? So, when my grandpa was about 50, he started getting a yellow beard. So, I wonder if those are related to each other at all. That could be, Tim. The interesting question from Zoe. Um, any theories? I don't need to Tim here because he is the pro. Um... I mean that's an interesting theory. Uh, I don't. I don't know how much. Uh, I, I. I don't think those two things are related, unfortunately. But uh, you know, it's a fun. It's a fun thought. Well, congratulations, Tracy. Moving on to our next story, we have our spring birding festivals going virtual. Turns out that the Othello Sandhill Crane Festival is all online. So keep your boots on, or keep them. Keep them off and keep your socks on because you'll be on your computer um, watching these sandal cranes. And Grace Harbor Shorebird Fest, also going online. New trend in birding. Martin, anything to say about that? Well, Zan, um, really, I think that uh, birding festivals are kind of, it's, it's gonna be different. Everything has been different this year, mm, but taking true. birding festivals online is maybe not as big of a challenge as people might think. Um, I think we'll probably see lots of self-guided field trip options that are going to be made available. And the birding community in general is a pretty self-sufficient one, I think, with kind of the guidance of um, the experts organizing uh, these festivals. I think they, they, there's a real opportunity to have a festival that uh, really has kind of a, a light, uh, kind of a leave-no-trace impact uh, by dispersing out the festival goers over longer periods of time and, and, and allowing those festival goers to really um, kind of take part in the festival on their own schedule, but still have these virtual opportunities to give a sense of community and togetherness that I think a lot of birders enjoy uh, when those festivals are in person. And I'm sure everyone um, is excited for, you know, when we get to that point when it's safe to have those festivals again in person. About I'm just very, very happy about these festival Sorry, organizers. Sorry, over here. <laughs> Just, just again, really pleased that these festival organizers are placing the safety of festival goers uh, above uh, kind of their desire to hold their event. You are talking about safety, which makes me think about the hackers out there who might be involved in these festivals. Um, you know, sometimes when we talk about these Sandhill Crane festivals, you could get those pages hacked. People get their identities stolen. Um, you know, they could change information. For example, somebody could hack into Wikipedia, um, change in all the information for Sandhill Crane. We're going to lose valuable information on species. Um, yeah, I'd be, I'd be interested to, I'd be interested to hear what some of these festival organizers, um, you know, what they're doing with cybersecurity. And I mean, if they're not doing this. I mean, that's a pretty big lapse in uh, security for their yep, pets. Yeah, I'd say overall judgment. You know, I actually just the other day had a scare. Um, I couldn't log into my eBird account um, oh, and God. I tried Yeah, I can't uh, think of a worse face. Several times and it ended up being that I had just forgotten my password. Oh no. Uh, and, you know, I ended up um contacting eBird in a, a helpful, got a helpful email. Uh, it did turn out that I had just forgotten my password, but I was able to reset it using that email. And that leads me actually into an interesting side point I wanted to make today, which is that cybersecurity is essential for our livelihoods. Um, I don't know, I've, I've talked a little bit about my, my friend, um, uh, Trevin, um, who, We've spoken at length, we birded together. Um, he was under my employ for a while. Um, him and Mr. Winger have taught me quite a bit about um, birding. And so, and he also has taught me about cybersecurity. So um, we're just gonna have a brief segment here where Trevin's going to break us through some new learning experiences in birding. And I hope that you, Tim, and you, Martin, and Zoe, even you, um, can potentially learn um, from this video um, uh, diary that, that Trevin has, has given me. So, 
without further ado. Hi there, it's a pleasure to be here. My name is Trevor. I'll be taking you on this journey today. Uh, I'm just a simple pool boy, but as you sit near the pool, you do hear birds. And then you get the opportunity to clean a pool of birders, bird enthusiasts, and sometimes bird experts. And that's how I met Zan Marsh, and through him, Mark Salinas, and Timothy Lequay. Uh, and I want to thank them for the opportunity. So without further ado, I'd like to present to you Bird's Eye by the Poolside. Come on down to Birdside by the poolside. Happy to have you here. Stay as long as you like. I hope you learned something. Just sitting by the poolside. Eating my bird, 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 his eye. Little bird in the sky. Bird's eye. Can you get the cat off the stump, please? Okay, I'm kind of busy here. Birding is one of the fastest growing hobbies around the world. You may ask yourself why. It's because it's a fun and easy hobby, and it's a great way to get outside. Also, birds are beautiful and fascinating creatures. They can be found in almost any habitat, including urban spaces. If you want to start looking more closely at birds, you're going to be joining the ranks of many famous birders, including John James Audubon, FDR, Albert Einstein, Laura Bush, Jimmy Carter, the Duke of Edinburgh, Paul McCartney, and uh, Margaret Atwood. But if you're not sure how to get out there today, I'm going to share with you uh, my top tips to get you started birding. Birding is a great idea you can basically do it anywhere, at any time, at any place, at any moment, in any season, anywhere in the world. And I can tell you, it only gets more fun the longer you do it. Now, the first thing you'll need is time. It doesn't have to be a lot of time, but casual out the window birding from your home or home office works well, especially at first. Now, however, if you decide that birds are getting you really excited, and you may eventually become one of those dedicated birders who takes long road trips to see rare birds during migration. Now there's a lot you can learn just right outside your window, especially if you hang up a bird feeder. But it's extremely important to remember the type of food you put in your feeder can determine what sorts of birds will come to said feeder. Consistency is important. Birds are much more likely to come to feeders that have been filled regularly, especially in times of scarcity. And be patient because it may take the local birds some time to discover your feeder. The next thing you'll need is birding equipment. This is another thing that's great about birding. It's a low-cost hobby unless you choose to get real fancy equipment. All you really need is a reliable field guide, or you could even use an app on your smartphone. I'll be reviewing some nature apps in another video. I personally still find book-style field guides to be incredibly handy. You may also want a set of binoculars, a camera, waterproof notebook, or even a tape recorder, but none of these are mandatory to start yourself out birding. To start birding, pay special attention to what are called field marks. These are specific colorations on birds that help us identify them at a glance, even when they're far away or high up in a tree. Once you start looking at birds, you might want to record your observation. Many birders keep a life list that includes a date and location for the first time you saw a particular species. There are also many websites and citizen science projects that are happy to collect your birding data. I'm happy to announce that the website eBird contains thousands of bird sightings from all over the world. You can explore records on eBird to figure out which birds you're most likely to see in your area. Then a scientist can use that data on eBird to make predictions about future bird populations. You can also participate in the Big Backyard Bird Count, 
and Audubon Society's Christmas Bird Count. Although this isn't required, it is nice to have someone to go birding with. Mr. Winger taught me everything I know about birding, and we spent many weekends away watching and listening to birds in the woods. It's just kind of a way to get away from our family members. There are also many birding clubs that schedule outings, and his members will be very eager mentors for beginning birders. I'll put some links in the description with a few simple bird ideas. Let's try a few simple bird ideas to get you started. A black head, gray back, and orange stomach let us know that this is an American Robin. Another fairly common sighting through much of North America has a brown body with a grayish white stomach and a little black sort of stripey thing down the back. Now this shows us that this is an English Sparrow. Birds with black and white wings are American Goldfinches. And the birds over there on the right with the blue bags and orange with red stomachs are eastern bluebirds. Just for fun, we'll do one water bird. This tall grayish blue bird with a slightly darker cap on its head is a great blue heron. Doesn't that seem easy? I think everyone should go out and try birding at least once. And hopefully this video has given you the knowledge and the tools to get you started. Do you have a favorite birding spot? When did you learn to bird? And did you have a mentor or were you self-taught? I'd love to hear all of your birding stories down in the comments. And if you like this video, don't forget to like and subscribe. Please share this video with your friends. And again, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and the little bell notification icon as well. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Dropbox, eHarmony, 4chan, and Reddit. And you can also read more science on my blog. I'm a periodic contributor on the radio show Blue Dog Blue and The Spider Stand. And you can find me on Dungeon Dwellers on Twitch every other Monday. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time. Uh, so I imagine that had a bit of an impact on you. Did you learn anything from that, um, Martin? Yeah, I think that... Uh... You know, uh, good choice on hiring Trevin, by the way, because clearly indicated from there, that is a person of character, uh, good, good public speaker, someone who knows their stuff. Um, and I think we're, we're uh, I think you're lucky to have him as your pool boy and the birding community is lucky to have him as a spokesperson for birding. Thank you. And Tim, uh, anything that you learned from that video you want to share with us? Um... You know, I, uh, huh, that's a, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm not sure if I learned anything new per se. Um, I will say though that, uh, you know, listening to a different perspective as Trevin's perspective was, um, yeah, certainly. maybe, maybe didn't teach me anything new, but. Um, perhaps expanded my uh, my horizons. Sure. Maybe maybe I'll be a little bit more open to uh, to other um, you know other approaches to bird identification. Very cool. Well, um, and Zoe, you must have learned um, some some things from this too as well, huh? Yeah, absolutely, Uncle Zan. I think the thing that I learned about the most is that he doesn't just clean pools. Yeah. That I mean, that is an essential feature. I think of the video that he that he kind of brought into focus. I think was the 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 multi um, uh, faceted approach he takes to both uh, maintaining um, aquatic environments as well as um, his relation to the um, the world that holds uh, us so close to its bosom, um, which is this uh, world of birds that we seem to enjoy so much. Okay, so now moving on to our moving on to our next segment. It's a it's on the chickadee. 
Everybody's been asking about this one as I was talking about the chickadee. Um, got anything to say on that, Martin? Or? Oh, absolutely, Zan. The chickadee is, uh, while one of the most ubiquitous and common backyard birds, is nonetheless one of the most fascinating birds in North America. Mm. Uh, for starters, one of the things that I love about They're cute the little birds. I just love that the chickadee has a unique way of communicating that both other chickadees listen to, other birds, and for those in the know, other birders can listen to as well. Mm. The chickadee, Also non-birders too. Though. It is true. The chickadee will actually announce uh, the level of danger that it perceives in an area uh, with the number of Ds in its, uh, in its namesake call. So when you hear a chickadee go, chickadee dee 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 dee, count the number of times it says D, because that's kind of like the threat level it's perceiving. Mm. So a simple chickadee, chickadee dee, that means things are pretty safe. But if you ever hear a chickadee going, chickadee dee 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 dee, you know. It's saying, don't come over here, huh? That chickadee is definitely perceiving some danger. Yeah. But here's the catch. That danger could be you. Oh, very interesting. That's something I've um, kind of lost awareness of, is that my um, being in an area where birds are sometimes impacts them. It's true. Uh, even the best birders who, who tread lightly on the landscape, their, their presence is acutely noticed by birds, especially in areas that aren't heavily birded. So we can see this, for example, um, while heading out into a wilderness backcountry environment, Birds may scatter really before you even get to where you can observe them. Versus birding somewhere like Central Park in New York City, where these birds have for generations been accustomed to people actually recreating and bird watching nearby. It's just something to think about. When I uh, go out bird watching, um, a lot of times I'll enjoy it when the birds scatter and they all move and you get to watch them in flight. It's kind of a fun little feature. And while you say that, Zan, I do want to kind of... Um, negate that by saying that flushing birds is never something that we should enjoy or strive for. Tim, any uh, any notes on the chickadee? I know you've seen quite a few birds. And I, also, I wanted to take this point in time to award you our number one birding expert on your number one e-bird uh, notification. Ooh. Tim is actually 2020's number one e-birder. In Thurston County. In, in Thurston County. So, but congratulations. Oh, thanks. Congratulations, Ooh. Tim. Quite an achievement. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was a good year. Oh, saw a lot of birds. Would you say it was a big year? Uh, no. Okay, and uh, moving on. Um, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Avian Paragraph. Uh, here I am, Zan Mars, sitting in the studio with a couple of knuckleheads. <laughs> um, about to go over my latest birding book. Um, now, I used to own a bookstore, uh, Dwight's Many Sellers, over in Seattle, Washington, for those in the know. No longer do I operate the bookstore. Books are kind of becoming a way of the uh, past, you know. You, that antiquity. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. bit antiquated, yes, yeah, a yeah. bit antiquated. Yes, a bit antiquated. Uh, but um, anyhow, uh, I, I have this uh, really funny, it's kind of a funny book, but again, um, uh, Zoe, uh, if you could um, perhaps uh, leave the room. This, this is actually an inappropriate book, I think, for, um, for us to be talking about around people, younger people. So also, I'm going to tell the listeners out there, um, please turn off your your um, 
radio for this um, this conversation about this book. It's not for um, it's not for your ears to hear. Um, so, th- uh, how would you describe yourself, Martin? Well, then I would describe myself as someone both uniquely interested in birds, but also just interested at the level that I think anyone should be interested. Interesting. Well, our latest book here, the author would actually describe himself as to be a nude birder and former 48 big ear birder. Did you say new birder? Like he's brand new? No, 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 no. Nude. N-U-D-E, nude. This guy is out there birding sans clothes. I think that could get you into a lot of trouble. Um, well, it's, it does, because let me tell you, he's a blogger. His name's Olaf. Uh, I forgot his last name. But um, <laughs> but he uh, he's a blogger. His name is Olaf. I forgot what his last name is. But he writes up his uh, birding adventures. And um, actually, it turns out you can get into a lot of trouble uh, birding nude. He was shot at. He's been attacked by grizzlies in the nude. And it's 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 this book is all about his quest to see more birds nude than any other man alive. It's 320 pages, it weighs 1.2 pounds, so it's it's a hefty book. Um, it's not so, so hefty, it's not like, uh, you know, Dostoevsky's War and Peace, that might weigh probably around three, four pounds, something like that. We're trying to load around Proust, I mean, that's yeah. just, a, we don't even consider. Yeah. Is that a hardback or a paperback? Uh, that's actually gonna be a, a paperback bound book. Um, some of the reviews are interesting. They, one one person said it rambles. It does ramble quite a bit. The book, um, the style of prose. Um, normally we we call we call the show avian paragraph, right? Because um, we're giving you paragraph after paragraph of vital information about birds and the birding community. Um, perhaps uh, Olaf could um, get in the know about what a paragraph is, because he does tend to expound for. Uh, page after page, and I found myself wondering um, when one paragraph would uh, end because I couldn't, there was no indentation or clear demarcation between um, sentence to sentence and subject to subject. So there is that. Um, and is that something you'd want to write directly to him or is maybe take more of an issue with his editor? Um, I should, I, I usually don't review online. I'm not an online reviewer. I mainly just go on and they call they call us stalkers online we will just sort of stalk the web um and sort of shadow what's going on but we won't write anything um i did happen to read some interesting reviews though one one person said uh, good humor but puns are tiresome i also agree um the nudity puns um you know because you have so many bird words where it will be reminded of you of a pun of a it could be used in a pun I mean, we think about these words uh, like, I mean, let's take the title, for example. You got pecker, um, boobies, uh, several words that, um, you know, are, are, aren't appropriate for a polite conversation. But us burgers use, um, I mean, I'm, I'm, think, I'm thinking of jizz is like one of the words that you probably don't want to bring up in uh, in dinner unless you're dining with a burger who, who um, yeah, I mean... With, in this day and age with the internet and, you know, all sorts of crazy content that kids can stumble upon online, you know, you just can't be too safe. Yeah, definitely. Um, one reviewer, Barbara Tuning, actually said uh, they wanted more birds and less nudity. Um, that's kind of an interesting request. I feel like the bird, the bird book does explicitly state it is a brother man who birds in the nude. So the expectation of not having nudity is going to be kind of difficult uh, for the author to fulfill. But um, John Westlake says not for everybody. And I'd have to say that is my ultimate review. I would agree with John Westlake, not for everybody, but a good read nonetheless. So check it out. Um, Again, that's uh, boobies, peckers, and tits. One man's naked perspective. And we'll be back after this break. E-readers have become all the rage this year, it's true. But as all too many ebook worms have discovered, screen glitches can quickly make your ebooks unreadable. That's why PeeBooks invented the revolutionary new PeeBook P-Printer. Simply attach the printer to your e-reader's charging port and you can quickly 
and efficiently print all your ebooks onto glitch and glare free paper. Now, like never before, you can enjoy all your favorite ebook on paper thanks to the PBook P printer. Okay, now that we're back, I just wanted to play a quick game. Uh, Zoe's back in the studio. Uh, Zoe, I have a few of these. Um, uh, now, you, you know that, for example, there's a murder of crows. Yeah. Right, a murder of crows is a group of crows, right? Am I, am I right here? Yeah. You're correct. Okay, so I'm gonna tell you what one of the next things is. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, so for example, we have murder of crows. I'm gonna say a blank of blanks. Um, but instead of one of those, one of those blanks will be filled in with what it is. And then let's see if you can guess what that is. So I'm gonna say this, it's a cast of blanks. Storks. Uh, no, I'm sorry, that was falcons. It's a colony of blanks. Parrots. Uh, no, that, that's um, uh, goals. It's a company of blank. Um, could I have a hint? Um, uh, think about what you last said. Birds. Oh, no, actually, that's going to be parrots. It's a, mur oh. it's a murder of, uh, okay, sorry. It's a pride of blank. Isn't that lions? You would think it's lions, and I think it, it could be, but, but for birds, it's ostriches, actually. It's a pod of blank. I'm gonna have to go with seagulls again. Pelicans. Oh. And finally, it's a parliament of blank. Um, a parliament of, we're gonna go with pigeons. No, no, I'm sorry, that's owls. So maybe we'll play this game again one day and, and see how, how you do. Thanks for playing that game. That's the game of that Zan's game of the week. Okay, and uh, after that game that we just played, we're gonna um, kick it off with Tim's birding tale. The time has come for Tim to tell us all about his terrific tales of birding uh, truths, let's just say. All right, uh, so this last December, I participated it gets in- It's pretty cold in those winter months. Uh, yes, it does, uh, Zan. Um, but anyways, uh, last December I participated in the local Christmas bird count, which wow, was a funny. super fun experience. Um, unfortunately, there were some limitations due to the COVID situation, so... Was everyone wearing masks then? Uh, yes, oh. and you know, generally, uh, you know, more experienced birders will be paired off, paired off with, you know, some novices and, right. you know, can teach them a thing or two. Um, but this year, it was just more experienced birders going out and covering an area. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, every every birder wants to find a rare... You left all the bird brains at the... Uh, or sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the only of the bird brains were participating oh, right, in yeah. this Christmas bird count. Sure. Um, but yeah, but every birder, the, the dream is to find a rarity in your Christmas bird count area that you're responsible for. Yeah. Um, and so you go out and you try to count every single bird that you can find, um, was, which is what I did. Um, and uh, any rare finds? Or? So um, the the only so first of all, out at Tumwater Farm Park, out in Tumwater, which yeah. is where my birding area for the Christmas bird count was. Yeah, uh, you know we're out there. And we're looking at these chickadees, counting chickadees. Um, you know, we got a few chestnut backs, mainly black caps. Um, and then I see one chickadee with far more extensive white on its black crown, um, wow. almost in the formation of a 
of a, a, a separate line creating a black line through um, through its eye. And huh. so I got a glimpse of this bird and immediately my head, mountain chickadee. That looks like a mountain chickadee. Looks like a mountain chickadee, yeah. And so I get my camera out, I'm snapping pictures, so excited. Sure. Found a rare bird in my CBC area. So mountain chickadees are, are rare then, I'm imagining. Uh, in western Washington, yes. In eastern Washington, they're a common species, yeah. but they rarely travel west of the Cascade Crest. Got it. Um, and so, you know, sitting high on top of the world, found a rare bird in my area, and I yeah. started looking through these pictures, and, you know, the chickadee it looks a little odd. It doesn't quite yeah. look like other mountain chickadees I've seen before. Okay. Um, and so I'm looking at this bird, and, you know, that it's... The white above its eye is kind of splotchy. Okay. Um, and I keep flipping through until I get another picture from the other side of the bird. Right. Not nearly as much white on that side. I come to realize this is just a leukistic black-capped chickadee with partial blossom uh, pigment on top of its head, which gave it the appearance from a distance of a mountain chickadee. You've um, got to be kidding me. I'm not kidding you. So, unfortunately, couldn't count a rare bird for that stop. Um, I posted the pictures on eBird. Um, just any unusual uh, variation of plumage I like to document and sure. include in the Macaulay Library. Um, and later that day, uh, we did actually locate a, uh, a wintering common yellow throat. Um, in our CBC area. So we did find a rarity um, later on that day. So but it sounds like your Christmas bird count went from a dream bird count to potentially a nightmare back to a dream. I'd say that's accurate. Um, but, you know, being that we had discussed the uh, leukistic penguin earlier, um, I thought it was relevant and a reminder to birders out there to, you know, be careful. Sometimes things aren't... Uh, Always what they seem. Yeah, I definitely, I think that you can apply that. That's an interesting one because you can apply that both to birds and then also to, to life. A lot of times things aren't, aren't what they seem. So Absolutely. I'd, I'd say most skills you develop while becoming a bird watcher, uh, you know, you can apply a lot of those into the rest of your life. I'm, I'm writing that down right now. Things are not what they seem. Well, thanks for that, Tim. That was a great, that was a great tale. Um, certainly not a tall tale. Um, it sounds I, like... I thought it was pretty tall. Well, I mean, as in, you know, tall tale, like you're telling a fib. Oh. Yeah, no, that, 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 that really happened. It, but it, it did soar high. So, in that, in that occasion, I suppose you could say that the height of the tale, it soared, but it wasn't, it wasn't a tall tale in terms of telling, uh, a lie. Um, so with that, we're going to move on to the final, the show's finale, um right after this break. Welcome back. Uh, it's uh, towards the end of the show. Um, are there any closing notes before we um, end this show? Anything anybody wants to talk about? Again, um, I, I know that we, we earlier happened to have pull up a perch, um, but I think we could have a maybe end, end some shows with some rap sashes, just hang. Well, when I was in the alley, I saw, uh, well, while you guys were doing that last segment, sure. I saw a few different birds, and I wanted to know if you guys could help me figure out what they were. Yeah, I'm sure we could help, yeah. Um. So there was one that was gray and purple. Gray and purple. Anybody have any ideas here? I'm thinking maybe a gallinule. Could be an escaped gallinule. Could be maybe a rock sandpiper. They tend to have a purplish hue on some of their scapulars. Certain, certainly isn't a, lu a leukistic penguin, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Does sort of give you enough, Zoe? It was eating garbage. Does that give you enough? Yeah, that's good enough. Thank you. Okay, great. Well, um, sounds like we all learned a lot from that. and I really do appreciate, uh, Zoe, you taking the time to be on the show. Um... I, I know that we're supposed to be ten, spending a, lot, a little more time together. Um, that's kind of why you and your family have come over here from uh, Georgia to hang. And um, hopefully you 
were able to, to do some of that while you were here. And um, I hope you enjoy your stay. Thank you. Yeah, I hope we can just get some food or something soon. Yeah, we'll probably eat after this. Okay. So, um, Martin, uh, want to start us off with a little Mind of the Bird? I'm, I'm happy to hear about your uh, latest um, Mind of a Bird. Oh, absolutely, Zan. I'm really looking forward to um, kind of jumping into the Mind of a Chickadee. Mind of a Chickadee is what you're doing? This is the Chickadee episode. This is by request, you should say as well. I was asking you before the episode, I told you it's the Chickadee episode. I forget that. That's a that's <clears throat> This is, uh, yeah, this is interesting. Mind of a Chickadee. Wow. Look out ahead. We're entering the world of the Chickadee. Chickadee! Thank you all for tuning in to this exciting Chickadee episode, and this will be the exciting conclusion to that episode right now. We hope everyone out there has a great day, and just so you know, Avian Paragraph has been brought to you by Zan Marsh. It's a Zan Marsh production with Timothy Lequi and uh, as well as Martin Salinas. Um, Zen Marsh is written, produced, and created by Avian Paragraph. I, well, I meant the reverse of that, but flip that around and that'll be okay. And we have special music sequences by Tim Conn, Fish Funk, Caden Amby, Magnus Waker, Kevin McLeod, Martian Footsie, Mr. Dre, Double Mattress, and Texas Music Forge, as well as many other contributors to this great podcast, radio show, or whatever you'd like to call it. And even though um, and may everyone out there have a very birdy day, and as my acquaintance Martin Salinas would say, Get out there, get out there, and go birds.